Two Humorous Nurses would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we record the podcast, the Yorty Ordination. We pay our respects to the Elders past and present and extend that respect to other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders who are listening today. Always was, always will be. Humorous Nurses with Kelly and Alicia. The podcast that always wants a drug check, please. Welcome to Two Humorous Nurses, where we plan to bring you funny, informal, conversational chat about all things nursing. And some of you may have seen in the last few weeks that there's been, well, in Australia, I mean, I've only noticed it in the last couple of weeks, but yeah. there's been a nurse making headlines over in the US, uh, Redonda Vort. And um, Kelly got stuck down a rabbit hole looking into this woman because um, I think we talked about it briefly. And, um, and so, yeah, we yeah. thought it would just be a great episode to bring to everyone. I wasn't sure if we should cover it. Like it was something that I had initially was like, oh, I'm not sure about this. But then I listened to Why? a podcast about it and I was like, actually, oh we need to do this. Absolutely. I feel like we do Nurses Who Kill all the time and this yeah. one just seems so relevant. Nurses Who Kill are deliberate. Yes. This is an accidental. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not a deliberate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's go. Yeah. So, so Redonda Vaught is a 36-year-old nurse from Bethpage, which is a small country town about 45 minutes out of Nashville. She was first registered as a nurse in 2015. Um, she studied at the Western Kentucky University and was named on the Dean's List wow. uh, in her final year. I was going to say, so she and I are quite similar, but then I was not anywhere near the Dean's List. Do we even have Dean's List? No, so but anymore? I just wasn't no. near the top. um she also this is just a random fact but owns an outdoor clothing company with her husband called horny outdoor apparel (laughs) fun fact fun fact um commenced employment at vanderbilt university medical center which is the largest hospital in nashville and one of the most respected in the nation in october of 2015 um and she was working in the neuro icu so Neuro ICU. Yeah. Okay. Um, on March 25th, 2022, Vaught was charged with criminally negligent homicide and the abuse of an impaired elder. Let's run through the timeline. Uh, December 24th in 2017, a 75-year-old Charlene Murphy, um, who spent her life working at Walmart and Love Yard sales, was admitted with a subdural hematoma and bleeding on her brain. December 26th, Murphy's condition has improved and she's working towards discharge. She was alert and orientated and a final PET scan had been ordered prior to her discharge. Um, down in the radiology department, she asked the tech for something to help calm her nerves as she is claustrophobic mm-hmm. and worried about going in the machine. The radiology tech calls her primary nurse who is caring for her um, and asks just for something to be given. Um, they obtain a verbal order for Versed which is midazolam, um, one milligram for Murphy. Okay. Um, The primary nurse then called Vought and asked her to administer the midazolam to the patient. So let's just talk about her role on that day. Mm -hmm. So in the discovery that the prosecution um, did with Vought, it said that she had worked December 25th and December 26th, Mm -hmm. 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. shifts. Mm -hmm. She stated in her discovery that she was not overtired, that she that the neuro ICU was not understaffed and that they're always staffed to patient acuity. Yeah. Um, on the shift she'd been on the 27th, 
26, she'd been allocated to be the help all nurse. Yep. So that was a nurse that floated between neuro ICU and the neuro step down unit. Mm-hmm. She said she was very comfortable with that position and knew what she was expected to do. Mm-hmm. Um, she also had a orientation nurse RN that was with her for that shift. And she was also comfortable with that yep. as well. So, so she was a qualified RN, her body. Yes. Yeah. He. He was. Yeah. That's what Vaught was doing. She was like the go-to, which is why he's called her for help. So the primary nurse has called Vaught and verbally given her the order for the verse said one milligram. Mm -hmm. Now, according to the health department of Tennessee's notice of hearing and charges, the physician, the physician entered the order for the verse said at two forty-seven p.m. into her um, medication administration record. So they're online. med charts and then the pharmacy verified the order at 2.49 so Vaughan went to the acudose machine um, to pull out the medication but couldn't find the Versed on Murphy's profile on the machine so she checked the medication administration record on another computer saw the order for the Versed Mm -hmm. but the order had not yet got onto the acudose machine apparently this Mm -hmm. was a problem in this hospital that there there was a lag between sure. all she the obviously need to go and look at another machine. Yeah, so the between the medication um, administration record and the dispensing machine, there was often a lag. So she overrode the acudose machine okay. in order to get the medication. Sure. Not uncommon. Yeah. They do it all the time apparently. Sure. So Vaughn's at the acudose machine, she types in V E and selects the first medication that comes up, which is Vecuronium bromide. Yeah. Let's just pause for a second. We're going to have a quick pharmacology lesson. So Versed, which is the trade name, the generic name is Midazolam. So in Australia, we tend to always use generic names. Well, Um, For those things, you would would never see a trade name for Midazolam written up. I don't even know what it is. No, no. No, Couldn't even. Me either. I didn't even know what Versed was. I had to Google it. Um, So Midazolam is a benzodiazepine and it's used for like procedural sedatives, colonoscopies or whatever. Um, or uh, PET scans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. yeah. Vecuronium is an amino steroid neuromuscular blocker. Um, it's used during anaesthetic to provide a skeletal muscular relaxation so me- mechanical ventilation can occur. Without, If you give it without intubation, it will cause death yeah. because the muscle is paralyzed and you can no longer breathe. Yeah. Basic pharmacology yeah. lesson. So she types in VE, pulls out vacuronium. This is where it stops making any sense. Yeah. Not that it really makes sense anyway. Yeah. At, to this point in my mind, yeah. I would have waited till it became on the machine or it's not an emergency situation. No, exactly. But anyway, yeah. this is where it really stops making sense. Yeah. She notices that it needs to be reconstitu- reconstituted because it's in powder form. Okay. Midazolam's not okay. in powder form. Yeah, exactly. She said Which that... you think that she would know yeah. being a neuro-ICU nurse, yeah. being highly experienced... Well, she only had two years' experience, and according to some other things that I read, it's still yeah. You would be using muscle relaxants all the time. Not necessarily muscle relaxants, but you'd probably be using. Wouldn't you? Like, I mean, I shouldn't say this because I have never worked in a neuro ICU, but they might not be intubated. Well, they would have patients who are intubated. Anyway, she's never given she'd never given vacuronium before in her career. Well, I don't think it's very common anymore. Anyway, no, you use like sucks and things. Sucks, rock. I don't know. That just TiVo. Yeah, I honestly, there's. I don't even like yeah. working in theatre. We 
Atricurium, probably even more than yeah. Anyway, so she said she looked at the vial on the back of the vial for instructions on how to reconstitute it, but she said she never looked at the name on the vial. Mm. Versed or midazolam is a scheduled drug which requires a count to be done at the time of taking it out yes. of the machine. You're supposed to count it and put yeah. um, into the machine what the correct count is. And she said she thought that was weird that didn't ask for a count, but she didn't think too much of it. I think it's strange that you don't have to count out a muscle relaxant. Like you shouldn't even be able to I know. Them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess in a neuro ICU, then you would. Well, know. when a paralytic agent is removed from the acidose machine, an alert appears on the computer before and after you re- remove the medication and the drawer of which you pull it out from is also apparently lined with a big alert saying paralyzing agent oh, on it. She can't recall seeing any of those alerts. She also didn't have access. So in America, they barcode scan all their drugs before giving it to the patient so you can put it onto their electronic medication chart. There was no scanner down in radiology, so she never scanned the drug, which would have alerted her again that it was a paralyzing agent. She also had another RN with her at the time that she was orientating. She didn't show him the medication. She didn't check with him. I've written a note here saying I'm not sure what the rules are regarding co-signing of IV meds. Like in Australia, yeah. you have to co-sign all well, IV we meds. No, we don't have to co-sign, but we have to co-check. Co-check. Yeah. Um, I checked with Bridget, who yeah. is like my go-to American yeah. nurse from Little Black Scrubs on our Insta. She said that um, you don't co-check. Uh, I think it was only insulin and one other thing, but you don't generally have to co-check IV drugs because you've pulled it out of the machine from their allocated. So, and then you barcode it and it's, yeah. The vial itself, which when I watched the prosecutor's closing arguments, they showed multiple times. There's multiple photos of it in all of the um, court documents and everything. It shows that the top of the vial very clearly has a red seal or a ring, you know, like where yeah. the metal bit is at the top of the bar, yeah. that says warning, paralyzing agent. Crikey. On the side or sort of on the back of the vial, it also says the danger that it's a paralyzing agent. Which, yeah, she read the back of the vial to reconstitute it. And you can't and miss it. Like when you look at it, it's red, like it is in your face. Like you, I don't know how she missed it or anyone around her missed it. I guess if it's busy, you don't know. Yeah. Anything. You think it's something well, that you've given a lot yeah. or something. And how busy? I mean, they're well-staffed. Yeah, it right. is. It's Boxing Day. Yeah. Um, so all of that aside, she got two uh, 10 mil saline syringes. So you know, in America, they come pre-drawn up. Oh, Lucky right, them. Yeah. Um, some alcohol swabs. And she put them all in a clear bag with the vial of medication. Then she and her orientee. Yes. Worst day for orientation, if you no. ask me. <laughs> headed down to <laughs> headed down to radiology. Vaught stated that she verbally verified who Murphy was with the radiology tech. She reconstituted the drug at the bedside um, and gave one meal to Murphy and then left. Oh. Murphy voices at the time that she was being given the medication that it was burning and she was injecting it. Um, so Vaught flushed it with like the 10 mil saline, checked that it was all right. And then she left. She stated in her discovery that there was no scanner to log that she'd given it. And so she just, they just went on with their job. Again, a couple of things here. (laughs) 
She was told that she didn't need to monitor the patient. Who told her that? By the primary nurse and the physician. In her mind, monitoring meant attaching her to a monitor to monitor her. Now, you might not need to do that, but would you give a patient IV midazolam in a radiology department where no nursing staff are present and leave? No. No. Can I tell you where I used to work? It was common practice that if any of your patients went to radiology, you went with them and Mm -hmm. stayed with them and brought them back. Yeah. And someone else would look after your ward patients while you were gone. Like, you could be gone for half an hour, but that was the practice. Like, and she's a help or nurse. So yeah. while she did have somewhere well, else free. to be, there was no rush. Yeah. So, like, a sim- she didn't even do a set of vitals. Nothing. The radiology tech. Did she know what she was giving? Did she know, like, did she ever say that she knew that it was an order for midazolam? Yeah. Or did she just call it by the brand? Uh, well, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know that stuff. Hard. Yeah. Because sometimes people would say, like, I'll oh, give them... A yeah, but I mean, you would know... I guess they this... talk about Versed as being Versed. They don't talk about it as midazolam. Oh, so okay. it would be like us saying, give someone a Panadol, yeah. but you've only got Panamax yeah, in the yeah. cupboard, but you but know you, that you it's know paracetamol. It yeah. I mean, do, even just doing a set of OBS would have been a bare minimum, but she did nothing. Well, the I rain... wonder, like, what sort of equipment would they have had down there too? I mean, she could have brought a set, an OBS machine with her, but I... I mean, most places have that stuff in there. An OBS machine. Um, The radiology tech said that in her time in court said that she had explained to um, Vought that she was only a tech and that she was unable to give, to do any, anything um, medical to the patient. The prosecutor's closing argument said that the radiology tech testified that Vought had given at least one third, but no more than half of the syringe of drug. She said she stated that Vought had drawn up the whole 10 mils of the syringe into the vial and that 10 milligrams of vacuronium. So there would have been 10 milligrams of vacuronium in that syringe. Vought said there's no way she would have done that. You only draw up what you need to give. However, the evidence of those syringes does show that there's an empty saline syringe and a syringe with a needle on the end that only had about five mils in it. Okay, I've got my hand raised now. Yes. Because this is something you and I have talked about yes. in the past. A lot of the US nurses that we follow make light of something called nursing doses. Absolutely. And it makes Absolutely. me sick. I've literally yep. got tingles talking about it. Is that if that if a nurse thinks that a doctor has been um, a tight ass basically on the dosing they will just give more yep. and write that they gave yep. whatever the doctor ordered. So if it's something like midazolam, yep. you think, oh, one milligram's not going to do much. So then you give them 2.5 or 5, yep. like then and only sign that you've given one. Of course, she's going to testify. Like, I'm not saying that this is of course. what she's done, no. but that's what the evidence looks like. And so the... it, is, it seems to be popular culture in the yeah. that well, a I'm lot not... of nurses do it. And you see comments on Facebook all the time. All the time. time. Nurse about, dose, oh, nurse, nurse dose. dose. And they all think it's funny. Absolutely. And I remember I once. So serious. Well, and I remember once I commented and I got harassed. Yes. They're like, we don't know what you do in Australia. I'm like, well, the doctors just order shit properly. Yeah. Anyway. And, and then if they haven't, we just nag them until yeah, they Exactly. <laughs> so and the defense basically said that we can't those syringes and what's left in the syringe has passed through like no less than nine people's hands in the two years or the three years it was so that perhaps 
you know, it's not a great example of actually how much was left in the syringe. Still, I mean, there's so many questions, so many questions raised from the minute the order wasn't in the acudose. But anyway, Vought leaves Murphy in radiology without monitoring her within 30 minutes. But then also, don't you think if she's given a nursing dose of midazolam, you'd want to fucking stay to make sure they don't stop breathing or something? Or that, like, she's not going to hallucinate or become exactly. unconscious. Like, you don't know. These people yeah. are opioid naive. Who yeah. knows what could happen? And this is, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So within 30 minutes, radiology staff find Murphy not breathing and a code is called. Um, she is res- imagine she'd be laying so still and move the CT or the MRI, whatever it yeah, was. Yeah, you're doing like, so you're well. You're doing a great job. Hold, hold please. I mean, it's not hold your breath. Yes, <laughs> you breathe now. Breathe now. Another big breath. Breathe now. Yeah. <laughs> um, shouldn't laugh. Shit, that was inappropriate laugh. Anyway, she's resuscitated, intubated, and returned to the neuro ICU. Fucking hell. Vaughn had headed down to go to her next job, which is to give someone a barium swallow or do something. And then she heads back to the neuro ICU and is approached by the primary nurse caring for Murphy, who says to Vaughn, is this the drug that you gave Murphy? And he's holding the plastic bag with the saline syringes and vial in it. Where did she leave them? So I'm going to assume, because um, in something that I read, it says he was standing near the tube machine. So whether she sent the... Stuff back in the tube system. Oh, can you do that? That's cool. Oh, yeah. So you can send, like, samples in a tube machine to, like, pathology or to a ward or to the pharmacy. So whether she sent it from radiology back to the ward so she could scan it later because she couldn't scan it in radiology. So that's my thoughts about that. Um, And she says yes. I mean, I do know about the tube machine. I just didn't know. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, she probably now, she yeah. probably shouldn't have. She probably should have kept it on her body, yeah. but she's obviously sent it back knowing she's going somewhere else. Yeah, um, and he yeah, so she says yes, it is, and he says, well, it's vecuronium, not versed. Fuck. So apparently, she tells him to give everything directly to the nurse in charge. She informs the physician. She informs the nun. She informs the um, nurse practitioner on the unit. She's very open. Apparently, they all say to her, oh, I'm so sorry. And she says, I fucked up, haven't I? Yeah. That's what's written in the discovery. Yeah. Yes, you have, young love. Yeah. But good on her for not trying to cut her arm and going, Jesus. No, and and the whole way through this, she has been like, an error has been made. So... Vaughn had given Versed previously. She had literally given some in the shift prior, oh. but it wasn't a regular drug she did. I think um, the podcast that I listened to said that she'd given it no more than six times in the previous 12 months. Um, and she did admit that she'd never given Vecuronium before. Yeah. Um, she admitted to being distracted at the time, um, pulling it out of the machine because she was discussing with her ORENT about another patient they were mm-hmm. going to do after they'd given the drug. She also said that she should never have overrid the system, overrode the system for something that wasn't an emergency. However, it should be noted that this was very common practice at the hospital yeah. and that it's done regularly on most shifts. Like you have to even override the system just to get a bag of saline well, it's out. It's like when we do it for our um, urgent care patients who are not technically admitted to the hospital. That's right, because they're not in the system. We just put it in as, a, yeah. um, as an alias. Like as yeah. A, yeah. Yeah. You just put it in as but emergency then put, and then yeah. the nursing notes you type yeah, what you've done. Details, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's all December twenty six. December twenty seven, 
Murphy is declared brain dead and her family have made the decision to turn off life support. Do they know it? The family were informed that she was given an incorrect drug. However, they did not know what that drug was until nearly 12 months later. Okay. And you'll find out why. The initial death report... So they're probably just thinking she's had an allergic reaction to something that she was given. Yeah. Or Well, listen. The initial death report was attributed to bleeding in the brain and deemed natural based on the information provided by Vanderbilt Hospital. What? The medical examiner does not investigate this death. So they obviously haven't reported... No. So I'm I'm going to read to you what's written on the medical examiner's report. Reportedly, the 75-year-old Caucasian female presented to Vanderbilt ED on the 24th of December 2017 with a chief complaint of headache and nausea. A CT image revealed an intracerebral hemorrhage. On December 26, 2017, she arrested before going into the CT room. They did obtain ROSC, return of spontaneous circulation, and she was sent to the ICU where her prognosis became poor. Her family opted to have her care withdrawn. She declined until pronounced death on 2017th of December 2017 at 1.07 hours by Dr. Hartman, who was also reporting this death to the officer of the medical examiner. He states there is no trauma noted to the decedent, no recent... To the deceased? No, it says decedent. Must be a word they oh, use. sorry, I thought you made it up. No, no, repeat, no recent reported falls or traumatic events and no foul play is suspected. She has pre-existing AFib, breast cancer, Guillain-Barre syndrome, lupus, neuropathy, and non-trauma-related seizures. There is no social history reported. She suffers anxiety without suicidal issues. Dr. Zimmerman will attest to the death as natural causes of complication of the intracerebral hemorrhage. I have declined medical examiner jurisdiction in this matter. So obviously didn't they get weren't the right even told that she had been given vacuronium. Right. It's not even stated anywhere. Because it was never scanned into her medical record. I would assume so. Right. And was never signed before then. No. January 2018. In the wake of Murphy's death, Vanderbilt officials take several actions to obscure fatal medication errors from the government and the public. The error is not reported to the state or federal officials, which is required by law or the Joint Commission, um, an accrediting agency that recommends but does not require reporting. Vaughan is fired. Okay. On what grounds then if it never happened? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. Early 2018, uh, Vanderbilt negotiates an out-of-court settlement with Murphy's family that requires them not to speak publicly about the death or the medication error, Uh, not that they know what drug was given. The settlement is not publicly known and it hasn't been spoken of. In May 2018... Vought begins working as a throughput coordinator at TriStar Centennial Medical Center in Nashville, um, according to state records and her LinkedIn account. This is not a clinical position, but it does require a nursing license. Yeah, right. So, well, obviously she wasn't reported to the board. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. October 3, 2018. So she's trundled on with her life yeah, for six months. months. Yep, we yep. get to October. An anonymous tipster alerts state and federal health officials to an unreported medication error that is responsible for Murphy's death. 
Department of Health investigates and decides that Vought's case did not constitute a violation of its statutes and or governing the profession. Vought is sent a letter on the 23rd of October 2018 saying the matter did not merit further action. So again, the, the you can actually read, I'm going to put everything in the show notes, but okay. you can read this anonymous report right. that basically says everything that happens. Everything that happens. I wonder who Don't was. know who did it. But then they took, what, 27 days, investigated, sent Vaughn a letter saying you're clear. Well, you're good to go. To find, I suppose. 20 days they took. So, yeah. October 31 to November 8, 2018. As a result of the anonymous tip and complaint, the Centre of Medicare and Medicaid Services, or CMS, conducts a surprise inspection at Vanderbilt. Um, the investigation shows that Murphy died from an accidental dose of vecuronium and Vanderbilt did not report the error to the government or the medical examiner. Where did they find that in the medicine? Well, they've probably uh, interviewed people, right. done everything, okay. done thorough. So the CMS, <laughs> why did Vanderbilt cover it up? Because they stood to lose a shit ton of money. Yeah, of course. Because the CMS are the ones that provide payments and basically it's a money thing. Mm. Um, so the case like, goes... I can understand why the hospital covered up. I'm saying you never, like, it's so wrong on so many levels. I mean, we know they cover up so much. Yeah, of course. But the, um, the, these CMS, I want to know, like, okay, they come in and did an order, but, like, I'm curious to know, maybe, I wonder if, um, if Redonda ever wrote it in her notes, like in her nursing yeah. notes or anything like that. But I so, guess she, it wasn't her patient technically, so well, she the, might not have written notes. No, and the numb told her not to put it in the medication administration record, like when they found yeah, out right. it was the wrong one, and that they would fix it up. Um, so, yeah. So the case has gone public now. Mm-hmm. Um, so late November 2018, the CMS released the investigation report and required Vanderbilt to prove that they have taken the steps to prevent similar errors from happening again or the funding will be suspended. Right. Vanderbilt quickly respond with a plan of corrections that appease the agency and secure the funding. Uh, Vanderbilt declined to release this plan publicly, but the Tennessean newspaper, um, we'll link it on the show notes, mm-hmm. obtain it via public record request and it's an interesting read. Also interesting to note, that a lot of these errors still happen. Yeah. Another thing, and I, I um, listened to another podcast on this, which um, I'll talk about at the end, but they said that they did some research in and they provided um, a link to the number of paralyzing agent errors mm-hmm. in America. And this happens regularly, like well over 100 paralyzing agent given incorrectly. Oh, my God. Yeah, like it's not – medication errors in America are something astronomical, like one in four patients will have medication errors. Like it is outstandingly huge, yeah. um, probably because their systems fail multiple times. Yeah. And I guess being that they – like Australia's health system is very different. We're less money – less money-orientated, mm. although we are money-orientated. We're money-orientated in the sense that we need the money to keep running, but yeah. we're not – privately funded hospitals we're not for profit yeah yeah exactly so i think um the money matters but not like it does over there absolutely to hospitals that is absolutely and i feel like if um 
if I make an error at work, I think, well, I mean, we're, maybe we're very lucky, but our culture is very much self-report. And it is over there too. So I think the self-reporting nature is definitely something. And she did do us. And she did. Yeah, she yeah. absolutely. And she. But I wonder if they have a formal reporting process. Like, when yeah. you do, like you have to literally fill out a fucking mile long form online and then it gets sent to your line yeah. manager. But then again, I feel like if the line manager decides that this is closed, it doesn't go any further. Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, maybe that yeah it's an interesting it is interesting and she had been she cooperated the entire way through this like she never held back she was very honest she open about the whole thing right up even in when she was in court on trial yeah Yeah. Yeah, so there's all the cms stuff with the hospital so february 4th 2019 redonda vaught is publicly identified for the first time when she is arrested on criminal indictment she's charged with reckless homicide and impaired adult abuse February 8th, a GoFundMe was created to raise money for her legal defence. She wrote, Many feel very strongly at setting the precedent that nurses should be indicted and incarcerated for inadvertent medical errors is dangerous. That GoFundMe raised over $100,000. Just going to say quickly right here that I watched her defence's closing arguments and she should have got a better lawyer. Right. Anyway, February 2019, Vaughan appears in court for the first time and enters a not guilty plea to all charges. The defence insists that Vanderbilt shares the blame for Murphy's Mm -hmm. death. Um, The court is attended by several dozen nurses from all over the country in support. Murphy's family also came out in support, basically saying... I know mum well, this is her son, I know mum well and she would be very upset knowing that this lady may spend some of her time, some of her life in prison. She probably has a family and it's destroyed their life too. And the family have never tried to um, civilly sue Vaughan or anything either. So Um, March 27, 2019, prosecutors reveal far more details. They allege that Vaughan made 10 separate errors when giving the wrong medication, including overlooking multiple warning signs. Um, Court records state that Vaughan would have had to look directly at a warning warning saying, warning, paralyzing agent before injecting the drug. Mm. (sighs) Also, (laughs) the Nurses Board of Tennessee, uh, at the same time as her criminal trial, were trying to have a disciplinary hearing (laughs) with her because they're now back on. Mm. This no need to further investigate turns into maybe we should. Mm. So um, for most of 2020, Vought's criminal child and her disciplinary hearing with the Tennessee Board of Nursing were going backwards and forwards and delays COVID, yeah. who's, which trial should go first, the disciplinary <laughs> hearing or the criminal trial. Anyway, July 23, 2021, God. the Nurses Board of Tennessee revokes Vaught's nursing licence. They appear sympathetic um, to her mistake, but could not overlook the errors made. And, yeah. you know, obviously yeah. she had to lose her license. March 2021, uh, sorry, March 21, 2022, just last month, mm-hmm. criminal trial begins. Yeah. March 25, the trial ends with a verdict of guilty for the lesser charge of criminally negligent homicide. Hang on, the trial went for two days. It went for four days. Fuck. Yeah. Um, and the abuse of the impaired elder. Um, it was a jury trial. 
Um, I don't know how long the jury took to deliberate. And sentencing's um, due for May 15. Right. I think... I wonder how many nurses are on that jury. I would imagine probably zero. Mm. When I... I that makes you biased if you're a nurse. Yeah, I do. Because originally when I heard this, I was like, shit, everyone makes mistakes. We've said it. Everyone makes mistakes. Do people make mistakes as big as that to kill somebody? And I, you know, when I listened to the prosecutor's final argument, which was like 45 minutes, when she finished, I was like, guilty. Yeah. Guilty. Yeah. And then I listened to the defence, which was only 20-odd minutes, mm-hmm. and all I could think was, you needed a better lawyer. Right. The, the prosecution was so animated, and she kept grabbing the bottle of Vecuronium to show them mm-hmm. and, like... She was walking around and she was, yeah, and she was really like into it. And she was like, you know, and she said she did not mean to kill Murphy. She didn't go to a shift that day and thought I'm going to kill someone. But she did not stop at all those checkpoints where something was wrong. Mm. And then she gave a drug and walked away. She didn't do the bare minimum of nursing Mm. required. Even for giving IV midazolam, mm. she didn't do the bare minimum. Mm. And and then, yeah, her defence was like basically just saying the hospital systems. And he was like monotone, stood at the pulpit. like, oh. And I was like, oh. Like I picked my phone up at one point. Oh. because, And I was like, oh, shit, like you're that mm. bored. Whereas with the prosecution, I was like, yeah. oh, shit, did 45 minutes just come through. Like yeah. you can see, I'll link it in the show notes, but you can see them all on YouTube. Yeah. Um, you can actually, so, so I'm going to, she's been found guilty, but hasn't been sentenced yet. Yeah. So I'm going to put in this bit here, I'm going to put a little bit of Rodonda talking yep. about the error and how she feels about it. Yep. So I'm going to insert that here. And Ethan called and said that his patient, uh, CM was in radiology to have a scan and that she needed a medication for anxiety. I went to the AccuDose machine to look for the medication that he said had been ordered for her and I couldn't find it under her listed medications. So I called him back. I was pulling this medication. Um, I didn't think to double check what I thought I had pulled from the machine. Um, I used the override function. I don't recall ever seeing any warnings that showed up on the monitor Um, if there was a warning on the drawer it didn't strike me there are a lot of drawers with warnings it's a critical care area i walked across the hall to the tube station and at that point ethan approached me and he was holding the bag of contents that i had given him earlier he asked if this was the medication that I had given Miss Murphy, and I looked at the bag, or I'm sorry, CM. I looked at the bag and I confirmed that it was, um, and that's when he said it's not for said, it's vecuronium. So I, I asked him to give the bag to our charge nurse. Back to the medication pool. Um, we heard the pharmacist say earlier that there was some warnings uh, and. Uh, Mr. Stryance entered the the exhibit with the vial. Do you recall seeing the warning paralytic around the top of the vial? If it was there, I did not acknowledge it. 
desensitizing alarm fatigue and you get used to certain processes. I'm pretty sure it's a big factor in how a lot of mistakes happen. You get used to a certain thing. You trust what the computer says. You ignore that alarm because you've heard it 10,000 times and it's been you know, false or inappropriate. I, I, I won't ever be the same person. Um, it's really... I, when I started being a nurse, uh, I told myself that I wanted to take care of people the way that I would want my grandmother to be taken care of. I would have never wanted something like this to happen to her or anyone that I loved or anyone that I don't even know. Listening to that makes me think there's no way a jury, like, I mean, they've already found her guilty, haven't they? The jury. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like it's so hard because you're conflicted between this person made a mistake and, and she makes a fair point that when those alarms come up, every mm -hmm. time you give a dangerous drug, fucking endone is a dangerous drug. Like, those alarms come up every single time. Yeah. Like, and you, you just press close you or acknowledge like yeah i know i'm giving that or insulin like yes i know it's gonna kill someone if i do it wrong yes but yeah you don't you know i i do i believe her i feel so oh yeah and yeah i don't know i think i'm really glad we're talking about this it's such a um <sighs> it's conflicting i give highly dangerous drugs and products, blood products, poison. to yeah, every day <laughs> yeah. at work. Um, and I was saying this to someone the other day. I said, I, you know, whilst the oncology unit might not be physically demanding as the ward, yeah. or we might have to not do as much hands-on patient care, I said I might be sitting at the computer doing whatever while my patients are getting their chemo. But you can be damn sure if they cough funny, they wiggle in their chair too much. I'm on high alert. Yeah. Like, I'm like, you right? You good? Do you need anything? In the room with them. Yeah. You don't give them a poison and then leave. Absolutely not. Yeah. And we do, you know, like, we had a patient come in um, yesterday with a brand new drug we've never given before. Yeah. So, for the lead up for that, I look up policies from other hospitals. How do you give it? What do we do it in? We check the injectables yeah. handbook. Yeah. Now, I know this isn't a new drug for her, it's a drug they give commonly. She might have only given it a handful of times in her time in in mm. in the neuro ICU. But how many times have you given I don't know Tazacin that you've had to look the book up now still, however many years later? I look up every every time drug except insulin. That's probably because you just draw it straight up. Yeah. But if you had to give an insulin infusion, oh, I'd fucking absolutely. Yeah. So I think to to just. There were so many trigger points. Insulin and clexane, probably the only two things that I don't check the book. I reckon I even would still check it for heparin because it's not common that we draw up heparin on the ward. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, like, like I, like any, I just, any IV, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, let's the checkpoints for her. It checkpoint one. It didn't ask for a count. Well, checkpoint one. It wasn't in the machine. It wasn't in the. It wasn't on the program yeah. under her name yeah. stop 
call, ask for them to put it on. I definitely. I know there's a lag. I think as from the jury's perspective, they would be looking absolutely. You didn't just make one mistake. Yeah. You made a lot of mistakes. Yeah. You made uh, a lot of conscious, maybe maybe not maybe not conscious, but you made a lot of unconscious decisions there that led to this person dying. But what's the lesson? Like, what what's the punishment for somebody making a series of mistakes? Yeah. Like, I think she she got complacent. She probably um, she was probably right saying that when you have someone next to you mm-hmm. distract, like it's fucking hard to think. Yeah. And it's hard to do things properly when when you're distracted by someone or trying to make sure yeah. that they're getting a wholesome. So I was listening to Nicole, who has the Found Down podcast, another nursing podcast in America, Mm -hmm. which is where I first listened to um, about this Redonda Mm -hmm. court case. Uh, And I used a lot of their resources to help me um, research this. Nicole was saying she was talking to – she works in an ICU and she was talking to her ICU colleague about this. They were doing a similar situation to us. And they were saying when they give medications, they have – a like if you're in that medication area you can't be spoken to yeah you have to do medications in in quiet right i know a lot of places will have like a medication coat we put it on you're like don't talk to me i'm doing medications uh but again absolutely if you have a student with you if you have an orientation nurse with you if you have another nurse with you of course you're going to be chatty it's very distracting yeah but if you ask my patients that come in every week every week like we've got a patient that's currently been coming in every week since november weekly for drugs i ask him we all in our unit will ask him for every bag Mm -hmm. for every drug can you tell us your name and date of birth yeah i I know who he is i know you know like but i'm gonna be devil's advocate here and say you created the oncology department. Do you know what I mean? So no, you but, set the tone and set the culture. So people do what you do there. But also, it but, wouldn't matter. It that doesn't matter. Like, you're, it's, it's would internal. you walk into no, a room if you were floating on the ward and someone said, can you go give this antibiotic to Joe Blow in room one? Would you walk in there and just give it without checking their name or their name band yeah. or Absolutely not. She didn't actually check the name band on the patient. Yeah. The patient didn't actually have a name band on. Oh. She just spoke to the tech. Yeah. So, I mean, she got right patient. Yeah. She just fucked up all the other rights. I think we need to acknowledge to the fault of the hospital in this. A hundred percent. The hospital has no culpability and they still don't. They have what? still not been. There's been no repercussions on this hospital at all. That's terrible. And I, they did not. And we, you know, we've always say this, they'll never have your back. No. And they don't. It's true. And um, I think if we look at, okay, muscle relaxants in a neuro ICU, why is a nurse allowed to check that out by herself? Yeah. Why was it so easy to get? Why can that draw open? Why was it so easy? And yeah, and she's right about the, when there's an alert on the vial or an alert on the thing. It's like some of those alerts are like, you have to roll it and not shake it. Yeah. Or you like um, don't store it greater than thirty five. In the when we put this podcast um, thing on the Instagram, we might put a picture of the vial just yeah, so you could be idea. aware of yeah. how very prominent paralyzing agent sure. is on the yeah. vial. Like it's very prominent. Yeah. But I will say some.
Um, okay, so at, in our work, we don't have, I don't, I don't think the muscle relaxants are actually, oh no, they are in the drawers, are but they? you need, so we need a second signature for, um, local anesthetic. Oh, for every, anything IV or IM. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, like that's, I guess Australia, I mean, well, our hospital is quite safety conscious yeah. knowing that, you know. Like medications are dangerous, so, but also like if you look at the succimethonium is a muscle relaxant, very quick acting, used in rapid sequence induction. It comes in a vial that looks exactly identical. the same as a lignocaine vial. Uh-huh. I know. The only difference is that it's got pink writing. Do you reckon the only thing that really I've seen a big change to in my nursing career is <laughs> potassium? Potassium vials used to used to be able to get ten millimole vials, and they yes, used to become red. like yeah, they used to be red like um, sodium chloride yes. vials. <laughs> now you can you still get them? We now you can only get the made pre made bags right. in red, and they're locked yeah. away. They're not yeah. in. Um, but let's. So she made a mistake. Yeah, she's now being charged. They didn't agree to the initial charge of reckless homicide. Yeah. They downgraded it to negligent homicide i don't know what the difference is it's still a felony charge they're both felony charges Uh a maximum of eight years imprisonment is the is the um yeah so it'll be interesting to follow up we'll do a follow-up after sentencing my thing look i'm not not on her side i think she fucked up big time she like she hadn't been nursing very long (laughs) very long to make that kind of level to be like i don't know you know to be that i don't know if you can use i don't know anyway she made a lot of mistakes i'm not i am on her side Mm. i think the precedent that this is going to set for criminal cases against nurses there is another criminal case that's just recently popped up about a nurse whose patient had a fall and she didn't monitor enough but she was actually and i think it was in an aged care facility again in america um, she had a acuity of one to thirty nine patients, what? and this patient died uh, post head injury from a fall. And they were saying she didn't look after her properly. I'm like, I'm not sure how that's possible. See, and this is where I think hospital responsibility has to come in here. Like the same with Redonda Vaught. Like there were too many processes there, broken processes. Yeah, absolutely. Like the system you know, the issue with the was computer. Sick. The fact that she could even access it without somebody else looking at it. Yeah. The practice of not checking IV drugs with somebody else. Non-reporting the problem. Yes. Not fully not open sure. disclosure yes. to the family. Yeah. I, I wonder what the governance is like. Like, So we obviously have the Australian um, Safety and Quality Healthcare Standards or whatever they are. Yeah. Um, and the NSQHC as well. Well, I like, mean, the only people that held them accountable was the Centre of Medicare or Medicaid. Exactly. The, the money, money people. <laughs> Nobody else has held them accountable. Yeah, and if somebody didn't make that anonymous... Um, tip. Tip. We wouldn't be talking about this today. Exactly. Everything. And she would be off still doing some kind of job. It is really tricky. It's a really tricky between I'm a nurse, that could happen to me. Yeah. Knowing it probably wouldn't because I'm quite fastidious. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then, well, I mean, she killed someone. Exactly. Like they're yeah. your two, your two, your yeah. non. I would. I, I don't know how a non-medical person would would see this yeah. and view this, but if we start charging every nurse who makes a mistake, 
do we going to start charging every doctor who makes mm. a mistake? But like, wonder, where does this yeah. open? But I also wonder how many, how many nurses are making fatal mistakes. That's what I'm. Yeah. Okay. I did if try and do some mistake. research into this, but I obviously I had COVID and I went back to work and because yeah. um, I did look up medication errors like in Australia. Uh, I did find a report and I think I sent something to you, but it was something like of all the reported medication areas in Victoria, uh, it was only just recently actually, Safer Care Victoria report, 2020-2021, Safer Care Victoria report, Sentinel events, only 15 reported deaths from medic, oh, 15 events from medication errors were in that. Um, So they were reported Sentinel. Sentinel events. Uh, and only 15 of them were were medication. What's the definition of a sentinel event? Is it when it res- results in somebody's death? Uh, no, a health service must notify of death or a degree of patient harm as a result of it. I suppose that's like when you put in your VIMS and it asks you like what level of harm reached yeah, the patient as a that's result right. of this VIMS. Yeah. So I basically, yeah, only from that report that I could find, and I'm a, I didn't deep dive, I just had no, a real quick, yeah. but there were only, of medication errors, only 15 either death or, I mean, I or think that's still potential harm. 15? one year. Out of how, I mean, it is, but that's not, I, th- yeah, I, feel I like guess. Because it's different to give somebody the antibiotics at the wrong time, and it's another thing to give somebody you know, a triple dose of clexane that causes them to hemorrhage. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I feel like 15 is a lot. I guess it depends on what. Um, might do some more research and we'll follow up when we do the follow-up on our sentencing. And but, those are of the ones that are reported. What about the ones that aren't reported? I know. I feel like in a, in Victoria we're, very, we're really good. Well, I guess if we base it off our health care system, our health care hospital. Yeah. Um. We're pretty good at reporting. I think so too. Um, and self-reporting is is quite big, but yeah, it's an interesting case. It that you know the whole way through, I was like, oh, poor Redonda, and then I was like, oh, Jesus but Christ, Redonda, what the fuck did you do? Yeah. And then, yeah, and I mean, listening to her talk, and she's all over, you know, like she was very open about it. I would like to hear. I think that's what makes it, I guess, harder. Yeah, if she was a nasty bitch and i don't know was super defensive and yeah like, you would be like fuck yeah rotten down yeah but the fact that she is so clearly sorry and and of really, course really does feel like she just totally fucked up and she could ruin her life now like yeah and i guess it's hard because you're like well you ended somebody else's life because yeah. you were negligent yeah and as you can be sorry and you can be likable Absolutely. It change the facts, I guess. And when we put it in the stories, I had so many, so many messages um, from nurses sending me. You know, I, I put up if you'd made a mistake yes. or, or not, yes. and really, I didn't. I didn't need to know. I answered yes because I did one. But yeah, so many people were like, "Oh, I was so I gave a Panadol, or, um, and I didn't realize I'd had a PRN, or you know, like, and I." And just really small things, but to them they were so big yes. and in the moment. And yeah. I think, imagine if you feel that way over an extra Panadol, which is probably unlikely to do any harm, and then you think of how Redonda must feel and her little mistake mm-hmm. killed somebody. Yeah. Like, to live with that, Yeah, I mean... 
Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. I have a lot of empathy, but I also am like, you made so many mistakes, yeah, it's, mate. It's almost, it is, yeah, you know, unforgivable, I guess. Like, you can't, you can't excuse it, I guess. Is no. I, um, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but my medication error that I did um, was that a patient's clefzone was supposed to be withheld uh-huh. and I gave it. I can't actually remember now if I got it checked or not, which I feel like naturally I always yeah. get everything checked. But I wonder if there was something like happening or... Because now I think, well, why didn't anyone pick that up? But anyway, um, I gave it and then literally like as I'm giving it and go to sign it, I look and it's like withhold. This woman just had a temporal artery biopsy and I've just given her a clock saying, what am I going to do? And she's like, oh, that's fine. It's probably been six hours since her surgery because she'd gone somewhere else to have it done and came back. And um, anyway, you know, that walk to tell the patient that you fucked up was pretty bad. And she's like, that's, that's okay, the worst mom. part. Don't worry about it. Uh, It'll be fine. I'm like, bitch, you don't even know what I'm talking about. So then... Didn't sleep all night. So I went home from the night shift, didn't sleep. Four o'clock in the morning, I finally rang the ward. And I was like, is my patient okay? They're like, yeah, she slept all night. I'm like, but is she dead? (laughs) (laughs) Is her head stuck to the pillow from blood? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, she was fine, luckily. But, you know, imagine if she did die. Yeah. I wouldn't be here talking to you. I'd be in jail with Redonda. (laughs) Probably not. Seriously, it's scary shit. It is scary shit. But I did do everything right and I vimsed myself. Yeah, there's nothing worse than vimsing yourself. Mm. But yeah, so that's the case of Redonda Vaughan. And then some. Um, Yeah, so if you've got any thoughts, feel free to send us a message. Follow us on Instagram at Two Humorous Nurses Podcast. Rate, review, send us podcast. um, Send us a podcast. (laughs) Send us a podcast. Yeah. Um, Come and see us in Melbourne. Oh, so we are going to. By the time this episode comes out, it will be about a week and a bit, and we will be in Melbourne on the twenty fourth of April. Yes, we are performing with Georgie Carroll as part of her live podcast. <gasps> so she's basically running this like quiz style, like head to head penguins, dolphins, and orcas, and we are representing the penguins, penguins of the nursing world. So. Uh, to be honest, we're going in blind. It's going to be fucking hilarious. We, we don't know who the penguin, we don't know who the dolphins or the or orcas, orcas are. Really so excited. excited. Yeah. So, we'll put the link to tickets in the show notes. Yeah, it's 3 p.m. At, and you get a discount if you um, book with six. Yeah, yeah, at the European Beer, beer Cafe. Cafe. Not the beer bar. Like and then Alicia and I will be hanging around afterwards for a drink somewhere. Absolutely. My parents will be over from Perth. I'm so excited. And I'll be husband and kid free. Mate, so let friends. loose. Let's go You have some champagne I'm and excited. celebrate our win. It's good. Yeah, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. So, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, get your tickets. We can't wait. Get it. Get it. Uh, send us an email at humorousnurses at gmail.com if you want to have a chat and you love getting emails from our listeners. Yeah. Uh, that's humorous like the bone. Thank you. Bye.